Duke Energy says in the event a customer is unable to pay a past due bill, customer service specialists are available to discuss a customer's situation and provide assistance to meet the customer's specific needs. And customers who have more than 12 months of usage history at their current residence may qualify for one of the billing and payment plans that gives customers the option of levelizing monthly payments. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling one 800 Duke Energy presents Stage and Stuff, promoting arts and entertainment in and around Hendricks County. Interviews conducted by Peg Glover and Deanna Hinesley, with commentary by Amy Scott and Shane Ray. Hi, this is Deanna Hinesley bringing to you today our show, Stage and Stuff. We talk about what's going on in Hendricks County and all around regarding entertainment and the arts in general. And with me today is my co-host, Peg Glover. Well, hello, Deanna. So good to see you, and it's so great to be here. I'm glad you're here today. I am, too, and i got to tell you, it's been such a joy to be able to come through Brownsburg with Green Street open. We all it's, appreciate that. We sure do, and i got to <laughs> tell you what, Brownsburg's really done some great things here. Uh, with their renovations and new additions, and uh, it's just pretty exciting. But, of course, we're not here to talk about Green Street. No, but it is beautiful. You're right. But we are here today to talk with uh, Jerry Vornholt, who is our guest. So, welcome, Jerry. We're glad you're with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. You know, yours is a name that I know pretty well, but this is the first chance that you and I have had to get acquainted. Yes. So I'm glad to to, uh, be able to talk with you today. Um, one thing I learned when I looked at your website, I always think of your name associated with Danville, but I saw the address of your business is Plainfield, and uh, you are a commercial real estate agent, is that correct? Yes, that is. Yeah. So you have been involved with a lot of development in Brown in Hendricks County, right? Yes. For 27 years, I've been a, a real estate broker, and the last 20 of those in uh, commercial real estate that mainly focused on land acquisition uh, for development okay. and all over the county. Mm-hmm. So you know a lot about our county. <laughs> There's quite a bit I have learned because, as you know, it's been the second fastest growing county for probably 15 or more years now. So the development that has come in has kept me quite busy. Good. And I only work in Hendricks County because there's plenty of business. And I know a lot of people here. So it really helps in my business and the relationships I've made Good. Are, have been really <laughs> beneficial. We love our county. We really do. <laughs> Um, you know, I know that you're active also in the community in general. You've been on lots of boards over the years, haven't you? Yes, several nonprofits. It really got heavy, you know, during the recession when real estate was affected quite heavily. Um, I got involved with several nonprofits, education foundations, economic development partnership, uh, and several of the arts boards, um, Hendricks Civic Theater and Hendricks County Arts Council. So, yes, quite a bit. <laughs> Well, I think I've seen you at lots of meetings and with lots of different people, so I know that you're pretty well known and um, are very active in, in the community. It's, it's a lot of fun. It is. Um, so, but you have a background that led you to be uh, interested in the theater somehow. 
That's really good. I do not have a theater background and or been on stage. I always loved it. And we always took our kids to shows and and symphonies and things like that to introduce them to that uh, culture and, and entertainment. And in the eighth grade, I think around 2007, our youngest son wanted to get involved. And there was a little organization called Hendrick Civic Theater out there that we we thought, oh, didn't know about this. And he did his first show. And that was the beginning of our participation in the arts in the county. That's interesting because I think so many times it's the parents who influence the child into becoming involved in something. In this case, it was the reverse. It was very much the reverse. Once we got involved in, and again, being a volunteer organization, um, they always needed help. And since we would stick around for rehearsals and and see what was going on, it didn't take long before we thought, okay, we we can jump in and help with this or that. And then shortly thereafter, I got really involved with the board. And one of the things I found they needed most was was money. And since I was in real estate and in sales all this time, I'm not shy to ask for money and things <laughs> that I believe in. So once that started going and I was able to raise money, it was a real good fit for the organization and myself to support them. Yes. I'm sure it was. And then because you um, became acquainted with a lot of people in the county, I assume that that kind of entered into what you did with the the theater as well. Very much so. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I noticed with um, Hendrick Civic Community Theater has been around since 1979, and there's been a lot of ebb and flow with that, like with any volunteer organization. It has some high points and some low points. But now that the county has grown so much, we found that um, like the roads and the schools weren't ready for all that growth. We quickly found out neither were the arts organizations. So when we did, I think it was Aladdin. And no, it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And we put out a call for auditions and we had over a hundred kids, 18 and under show up. Wow. That was a real eye opener that, okay, we need to be prepared to serve this community properly. So from that point on, we started putting things in place infrastructure wise with the theater that could help us handle We want all the kids that have any interest in anything to do with theater to know they have a place to come, and we will put them in a show if we at all can, and they will get that experience. That was our responsibility as a community theater. That's uh, nice to see that you were involved in the community in that way and promoting the whole community. I I noticed that you were also instrumental in um, the uh, development of State Road 39, and not that that has anything to do with the theater yet, but um, that's just, to me, represents what you um, enjoy about the the community. It is. I find two, those are very exciting things for me, economic development and the arts, and they really go hand in hand. It may not seem so, you know, when I first started getting involved with each of those, but it it didn't take long for me to realize that the, the quality of life in a community is what attracts uh, uh, businesses and employers, they want their employees to have a good quality of life community, you know, to live in and for their business to be in. So economic development, uh, you talk about State Road 39 as well as 36 and in, in the logistics and industrial stuff that has happened, tied right in with this. And once I realized that, I was able to kind of, you know, 
ask for assistance from the developers who are coming to our county to help with the arts so the arts then could be a good quality of life for the employers and employees so to me it was just a an interesting marriage that I, I relished taking advantage of if that makes sense. It does, and uh, it's interesting to me that um, as we get older, as life evolves, all those things kind of fit together, and sometimes you run into people that help you in one area that you didn't expect. Very much so, yes, yes, good observation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was wondering, I when, when you said that your kids were involved in the theater, I guess they still are to some extent, is that true? So... Um, our our youngest David he's just graduated from IU with his master's so he he is not involved with doing shows the last few years because he's been quite busy but when he got involved our daughter um, is an artist Julie and she then kind of got drug in if you will to the theater in painting sets so yeah. her artistic ability and education she graduated from Heron School of Art came into play with the sets and the backgrounds and they were just beautiful so she got involved our oldest son chris he kind of you know stayed away from the theater and all of that kind of thing but then he started seeing how much help and things we needed so he would jump in and help with construction of things so it was not (laughs) pre-planned but before you know it it's a family affair yes (laughs) (laughs) and very enjoyable it's nice to see families do things together like that. I myself have twin nieces who one is an actress and the other is an artist. Wonderful. And they were involved in the same way. So that's a story yes. that means something to me. That's great. Yeah. And I think that your wife is involved with the community also in some way. Very much. Um, she has been a caterer for several years now. What's cooking? Uh, is the name of her business, and she caters uh, weddings and events as well as uh, a lot of the nonprofit functions that we've had and she's been involved with, you know, to try and affordable catering, if you will, because the arts don't, you know, want want them to make money, not spend all their money. (laughs) So we've always had a focus when it came to food and catering that if it's a nonprofit, especially with the arts, that we would give a a big discount in the cost because of how important that was to us. That's very generous. It's nice to know. Um, Well, since your whole family is kind of involved, I guess my next question would be, You've been involved how many years then with the uh, Hendrix Theater? You mentioned that it was when your children became involved. I want to say 2007 was when he did his first show. 2009 is when I started getting involved with the board. And then I want to say 2011, I became a board member. And then in 2014, became board president. Okay. So all of those years and kind of stepping, I've done, I've done almost every aspect of theater from set building to lighting to sound <laughs> to parking cars to concessions, tickets, sponsorships, advertising. But the one thing I've not done, I don't have the nerve to be on stage. <laughs> so they try. They try hard to get me on stage. But I would rather 
help in other ways. <laughs> we each have our own gifts. Yeah, don't that's we? what I tell them. <laughs> yes. So you've directed a few shows, though. I've, I've produced. So produced. Okay. that is another thing I've not done. I've not directed. Directing is a, a wonderful art, and I've been involved with several good directors in this community. Um, producing, I think, is where I found my real passion. Producing is coming up with a show that you want to present to the community, presenting that to the board to see if you can get approval to do that show, and then picking the director. And then from there, there's a whole list of, of talent that you need to put on a show from choreography, set design and set building, lighting, sound, um, costuming, makeup, it goes on and on, and it allows me to assemble that team that I think would put the best performance and show together. So that is where I really found my passion was producing shows. Well, that's a, that is a real talent. I mean, it takes a lot to put something together like that. And thank you for explaining that to us, because I think sure. sometimes the general audience doesn't know the difference between a director and a producer. As well I as didn't I really. didn't either <laughs> until I got involved. And that's one thing I would say to, to those out there listening is we can always use help in the arts for volunteer organizations. And there's always something that probably fits your personality or talent, whether it's it's actual you know art or acting, or if it's set building or technical things. We have a lot of tech things we deal with, with lighting and sound, um, all the way to you know raising money and, and asking people you know to help help the organization out. There yes. there are lots of opportunities. And we welcome them all. Nice to hear. Nice to hear. So can you tell me the names of some of those shows that you have uh, directed or So I've, I've directed several shows. My first one was Miracle on 34th Street. That was a big learning curve, and it was a lot of fun. Then it was right after that show, um, several of the board members, I was not on the board at the time, but thought that, you know, he really goes after it because raising, again, raising money, you have to have the money to put the show on. So True. they saw me raise the money and I was approached to produce To Kill a Mockingbird. And I thought, well, that's a pretty serious drama. Um, and I, I accepted that role to do the producing of that. And that's really when I, I found the genre that I really enjoyed most was the social commentary. So To Kill a Mockingbird, everybody, of course, knows that story. We were nominated for several awards through the Encore Association on that. And that the audience reaction to that show every night really touched me. So at that point, um, with some of the actors of To Killing Mockingbird, we, we talked about a series of shows to do. So we wanted to do three, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, we did that in 14. And then um, Inherit the Wind, or the Scopes Monkey Trial, if, if you're familiar with that very powerful show and that was in 16 and then following it up now with 12 angry men a jury room drama that has been noted as one of the top five movies in the imdb database and it's just a powerful drama and that's the one i'm currently producing that's pretty exciting and uh, so i'd like to know a little bit more about the show you know i've seen a movie many years ago but i think peg knows a little bit more about the show and maybe she can uh talk with you a little bit about that absolutely i just love the idea that you are so involved and and love the social commentary because certainly 12 angry men has been uh 
a screenplay and a movie for quite a while. In fact, I believe it was a television play in 1954. Very good, yes. Yes, and uh, it was written by Reginald Rose, who I believe wrote the screenplay at that time, and yes. then it also became a movie in 1957. Yes. And then in 1957, it was a movie starring Henry Fonda. Yes. Of course, we all love Henry Fonda. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not love Henry Fonda? He was wonderful. He was fantastic, and uh, it was also directed by Sidney Lumet, who is quite the director for some of our listeners who don't know. He, Very good. He did Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, Network, and The Verdict. You did your homework. Yes. Well, I love this kind of stuff. I'm just All like right. you. I love this kind of stuff. So um, I will start out just a little bit by saying that it, it's, uh, it's a play based on an 18-year-old Puerto Rican boy. When I say boy, I mean 18 years old. <laughs> oh, a yes. young man. Young man. Yeah. Uh, who is... Um, charged with murder, capital murder, and there are 12 men who are on the jury, mm-hmm. and it, everything happens, I believe, in the jury room. Yes. Is this correct? Yes. It is a one room. There, there, there is a bathroom off stage that gets used, but the whole show takes place in the jury room. I find interesting that this was such a strong social commentary in 1954, and that now it's being done in 2019. So tell us a little bit about why it's still such a strong social commentary. That's very good. I'm glad you brought that up. When we first talked about producing that show, and even all the way up until right before rehearsals or auditions, we had pictured this as a period piece, meaning 1954, 1957. We realized that this was a timeless message. This deals with prejudices and discriminations. And and we got to thinking we, we don't want to put the show on as a period piece and have audience members view it as, oh, that was back in the 50s. That's not today. So we made a last-minute decision to change it and not be a period piece and be more of a generic non-time period because the message applies today. It's very real. Prejudices are deep in all of us and all socioeconomic backgrounds. There is that there. And this show slowly brings out those prejudices and backgrounds Interesting, I could talk forever. Okay, interestingly enough, there are no names in it. It's juror number one, juror number two. Uh, that, that's, that's how this show was set up. And so it's, it, get, it stays away from personal, but gets more into the general dynamic of the, the demographics we live in, your, your, your backgrounds of you know, your, your job, your position, uh, your life, how you grew up, which all of that comes out slowly in this play. Very interesting, and that, yeah. that's very applicable to today or any time. We period. feel it is very good timing for this show. It is, and I, like I said, it won all kinds of Academy Awards back in 1957: Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Writing of Adapted Screenplay. And how interesting it is that in 1957, the same message resonates in 2019. So I think what you're saying is that all the costumes. The set, everything is based in 2019. Yeah, and, and 
we, we kind of went a step further. We didn't want to even nail it down to present. We wanted to be fairly generic. So it certainly fits in 2019, but we, we didn't want to put dates or anything on it as well. It's just we feel that's a timeless message, period. And tell us a little bit about the cast. That, that, that's fun. Glad you asked that. That... So in, in community theater, maybe, maybe all theater, but my experience in community theater, I learned something early on that I thought was really fascinating. Um, for a community theater to be successful, you have to put shows on that people have heard of and, and they want to come see. So you see the community theaters. I think there's nine or ten community theaters in central Indiana, all part of the Encore Association. So what happens is they all want need to raise money. So you'll see shows done over and over such as Annie or Oklahoma or any Disney show Beauty and the Beast is is a big one and the actors in central Indiana you know when they hear um, let I don't want to pick on Annie because it's a really good show they're all good shows but what happens from the actor standpoint is they're oh I already did that I've already played all the parts I want to in that so you don't always attract the top talent when you do those shows that the audience wants to see but when you do a show like this, 12 Angry Men, it's not been done very often. It's a very intense acting, fast, fast moving show. We attracted 34 male uh, participants for the audition. And anybody in community theater knows that it's, it's hard to find male actors, adult male actors for your shows. You cast and you hope, and then for us, though, we had 34 of some of the best actors I've seen out there in central Indiana. We could have cast the show twice. We had that good a talent and in how those many 34. Did you cast? We cast 13, so there's the 12, there's jurors, 12 jurors and the guard. Now, there is a judge off stage that reads uh, in the beginning, and there's a clerk that reads, again, off stage. But for the casting, we have 13. And the makeup of this cast... Tell us a little bit about the makeup of this cast, the, the men who did step forward, who wanted to be a part of this so much, about their careers, what they do on a daily basis. That's fast. Okay, so at the beginning, so the director of this is Brent Woolridge, and he directed to, uh, he directed Inherit the Wind and uh, this one, and Teresa Potratz directed To Kill a Mockingbird, but we all know each other. So Brent, what he's been doing at the beginning of every rehearsal is ask each of the actors what they've learned about their character. So when you're an actor, you want to create your own backstory for your character. You're given a little direction in the play, but you, you want them to dig deep. They want to be that character but as far as who the actors are in real life uh, we have a manager of a cvs um, we have uh, an attorney we have uh, an investigator for for a law firm um, we have a spanish teacher um, a couple of younger kids we wanted diversity in ages so in the movie there's some diversity in age but mostly about the same age in this one we've got everyone from 19 to 70 years old in this show so we have a that was the director wanted to have that diversity of of actors so we have them from it's a neat thing about acting you, you never know we've had accountants policemen nurses doctors um sanitation workers we've had it all who come and want to be uh, on stage and play these roles and this is no different we've had people from all parts of life on this show 
And uh, this is going to be performed at Longfellow, is that correct? It's Longstreet. I'm sorry, Longstreet. It's okay. It's in Maplewood. Uh, I'm stuck on Shakespeare, I guess. There you go. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, we have a Shakespeare. The uh, foreman is a uh, former Shakespearean actor. Mm-hmm. And this is his first time on stage in about 12 years, but he did Shakespeare for a couple decades. That's all he did. So it's fun having him here. But Longstreet is the name. It's in um, a little town. It's not incorporated anymore. It's called Maplewood. It's at the intersection of of uh, County Road 500 North and uh, 100 East, so a little bit north of Danville. 82-seat theater. To see a show in an intimate setting and to see this show in an intimate setting is an experience. So any of you out there that that have any interest in, in seeing a drama and just feeling it and seeing the sweat and the actors right there in front of you, you will love this show. And just to say, it's 82 seats, so we do sell out, and and it would be good to go online now and, and get your tickets if you have interest in this. And then also, uh, it is uh, just a one act. So, yes, it in, in the script, it calls for three acts. Now, a lot of times you hear three acts and you think, oh my, that's a long show. This is not, this is actually in real time, like the movie. The movie was in real time, literally, I think, 90 minutes. And so the director made a decision. When, when you break for an act or a scene change, it, it's, it's tough. It takes the audience out of, of, the, of the show for a minute. And, and you, you really struggle with how to keep them in even during scene changes. So the director and I talked about it, and he says, you know, I think I'd really like to do this without any uh, intermissions. So we decided we're going to do this straight through. It's going to be get your get your concessions before the show starts and sit down and buckle in for a ride because once it starts, it's going to go 90 minutes straight, no intermission. That sounds so exciting and it's such a <laughs> an intimate setting like that. It's got to play extremely well. It already does. I'm at every rehearsal and um, so off book is a term meaning that every actor has learned their lines and they don't need to look at the script anymore. We're in our second week of rehearsals and more than half of these actors are off book. That, that tells you the excitement level of the actors for this show. They, they are wanting to get into the, the blocking, the moving around, the interacting with their fellow actors, and they don't want to have a script in front of them. So, yes, it's fascinating. And another thing that's going to be happening right here on this radio station is going to be an air preview of it, where some of the actors are going to come to the studio and perform. Yes, that that we're looking forward to that. Um, uh, Shane has uh, worked with us for several years, and we have done uh, cut scenes from several shows, and we did inherit the wind here as well. And the scene that we've got picked out for um, uh, this this segment is is pretty powerful it's a great great segment you're going to hear and this is going to be performed at the theater august 2nd 3rd 4th 9th 10th and 11th yes. on friday nights at 7 30 and then a sunday matinee at 2 30 yes so how can our uh listeners purchase tickets the best way is to go online to hendrickcivic.com you can purchase your tickets there um we do take you know walk-ins but we more often than not sell out online. Um, if you are not online or a computer person, 
we do have a reservation number. It's on the website. You can call the reservation number and get your reservation for a show that way as well. Well, it's such an exciting thing that you are bringing this and uh, that Brent Woldridge is going to be bringing this as well with Civic Theater, such a vital and an important piece to our community for people to sit and enjoy and be able to become immersed in. So oftentimes, when we go to the theater, they have what they call the aesthetic distance, where you are separated from the action yes. that's going on on stage. And one of, the, one of the great joys of being in a theater, an 82-seat theater, is that you really feel like you're part of it. Yes, you, you do, and you certainly will on this one. You know, your excitement in this, Peg, makes me just anxious. I'm going to go right home and buy tickets for <laughs> right, this because I right. can't wait. <laughs> That's great. I can't wait either. And I know when you were talking about, um, you know, doing, you know, Willy Wonka, Annie, all these great, great musical yes. theaters, uh, we, we love them and yes. audiences purchase them. But one of the great, great functions of art in our life is to challenge us and to challenge how we think and challenge how we approach life. And this is one of those productions. It is. I'll just give you real quick. When we started, when I first got on the board, one of the things that we wanted to do was create uh, a theater that we, we want to have an experience for the audience that every show they come to, they are going to enjoy. And so we started off doing those mainstream shows with the idea of we're going to do them so well that it's going to get to the point that no matter what Hendrix Civic puts on, people will want to come to see. And we've gotten to that point. The infrastructure of the theater has been set up now. It's a wonderful, well-ran organization. So a producer like me can come in and say, hey, I want to do a social commentary. I've got support for costumings, for sets for marketing and social media that allows me to really push this and do a social commentary for the people. It's so nice to see an organization grow like that. So you get to a certain goal and you've achieved that and then you can move on to something else. And that's a solid feeling, isn't it? It's a wonderful feeling, yes. One of the uh, aspects of the Civic Theater that I have experienced personally is how dedicated everyone and how competent and qualified everyone is at what they do. I think Civic Theater has done an excellent job of utilizing individual strengths. Yes, and that is important. That is really key because it's a volunteer organization. So what happens is is you attract people that have a love or a passion for, for those things, whether, again, it's costuming or acting or producing. And, and it, it, the people that, that gravitate towards us are people who want to be involved. That's the best volunteer. Okay, and so one more time, I want to tell our uh, listeners, August 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, some of the best and important theater to be happening in Hendricks County yes. will be 12 Angry Men. All at right. the Civic Theater. So you need to get your tickets because, uh, like Jerry has so rightly pointed out, uh, it, it's only an 82-seat theater. Yes. So it's going to be for those who really enjoy theater and want to become immersed. Yes. Any last thoughts you want to leave us with, Jerry? Well, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to, to have me here and to talk about these things that I feel really uh, strong about. So I, I do appreciate that. And I do want to say that the arts in Hendricks County are doing very well and growing every day. 
And I will say this about you, Jerry, because I've worked with you on several art projects. There isn't anyone more passionate or dedicated than you are in Hendricks County about supporting the arts. I appreciate that, but there are a lot of people you I included oh, yes, you. <laughs> that, that have done wonderful things for this county and the arts and will continue to do so. Well, thank you for being with us today, Jerry. I've so enjoyed learning about the theater and about the upcoming show, and um, I appreciate uh, Peg being with us also each time and learning more about the arts that, that I don't know about. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour uses per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or in a month with similar extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.